Hello, hello. Welcome to season two of Regardless. I cannot believe that we are already in the 22nd episode of Regardless the Podcast. The amount of knowledge, resources, and just juicy information in each of in every one of these episodes is pretty mind-boggling. And today the episode is dedicated to men. Of course, women, please listen as this will really help you further understand, you know, the men in your life, whether that's your brother, your boyfriend, your best friend, your father, your uncle, your coworker. And this episode will really equip us to really full-heartedly understand what men experience every day. And today we'll really uncover the wounded masculine and discuss the pressure, the stereotypes, and this rule book that society has really placed on men and us kind of working together to understand how we can all collectively and creatively begin to pivot these ultra-conservative, traditional, and really stale systems in in order to provide an empowered, supportive, and compassionate world for men to live in. And this topic is very niche. And so it should really be discussed with a professional. So with no further ado, I would love to introduce you all to Paul Samard, who is the executive coordinator and small group facilitator of Sacred Sons. Sacred Sons is an organization to help men grow and awaken their true power through circles, workshops, retreats, and online courses. Through proven proven frameworks of engagement, Sacred Sons guides men to their growth edges so that men have the opportunity to learn about themselves, their power, their purpose, their responsibility, and their creativity, ultimately catalyzing healthy masculinity. Paul is a father to three daughters, as well as a life coach focusing on men, couples, and small, medium-sized organizations. He is also a TEDx speaker, famous for The Mythical Man. Paul, welcome, welcome to Regardless. Wow, Skylar, I don't. Uh, that's a that's an intro that's going to be hard to live up to. Who's this Paul? <laughs> go- when when does Paul show up? He's here. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him; he's in the mirror. <laughs> I'm I'm blessed uh, to be with you today. Thank you so much for this invitation. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is something that I, I've been really wanting to dive deeper into. You know, just being very close to a lot of men in my life. Um, and just, mm. it's saddening to see how much pressure and expectations are put on you guys to just wake up and breathe and live, like walking outside. It's it's really it's saddening. And so I would love to get in a little bit right now, Paul, with what are some of like the main issues that you faced, you know, as a man and perhaps like understanding your story and really, what is it like to be in your shoes? What was your experience as a man in your 20-somethings? Wow. Well, I feel like that's all the questions that we can probably tackle for for this episode because there's a lot there. But the first thing that I actually wanted to come back to that you said in your intro when you said this one is for the men, this episode is for the men, and then you added the the women Mm -hmm. uh, afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I think my experience is that, um, in fact, I would actually really, I want men to listen to this, but I would really love for the women because one of the things that is um, that we have come to recognize is that we don't have the exact percentages, but a large proportion of the time, men are coming to us 
through the encouragement and support of a woman in their lives. Mm. Right. Because they didn't know on their own that it was okay to reach out, that they would be supported by reaching out, that it was safe for them to reach out. Right. They didn't want to look less like a man by reaching Mm -hmm. out and asking for support. So while we like to um, talk about how this is such a male dominated society, and it certainly is one that was constructed by a lot of men who looked like me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also important to understand that from an individual point of view, men really are seeking and are hungry for the support of the women in their lives mm. to have the permission to go out and do this kind of work and to do it in a way where they don't have to feel like any less of a man in doing it. And I think if we can actually start from that place and have more women support and encourage their men to do that, it's 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 going to accelerate everything that Sacred Sons and other men's organizations are trying to do. Um, and and the, the key there is to make sure that we do it because we're still little boys. Let's yeah. just be clear. We're still yeah. little boys. <laughs> so if if it's done with any kind of like you have to or condemnation or anything like that, we're going to rebel like totally. a 14-year-old boy would. Totally. But with the right kind of support and encouragement and, and especially most women, not most, many women are already doing the work in some way, shape, mm-hmm. or form, so many more than men anyways, that um, it, it will will have that compound effect through that support. So I just wanted to start there. Yeah, Um, that was beautiful. And thank you for getting a little bit deeper and kind of shifting that perspective. I mean, that's so, so powerful. I mean, you're right. I couldn't imagine like men being, oh, I found this organization called Sacred Sons. You should go. I mean, there's still so much just, it's very cloudy to really have that, that full support and empowerment for men to feel like they can, you know, encourage their other male figures in their life to, to do something like this. So you're right. It stems from, from strong women who, who want to support the men in their lives. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've tried, I've tried to encourage other men Mm -hmm. to come and do this work and I'm successful sometimes, Um, but only sometimes. But I would venture to guess that women who would support their man will be far more successful than mm-hmm. I will ever be. Again, simply because of the place that they hold in their lives. Yeah. So we need to we need to do a better job. <clears throat> pardon me. We need to do a better job as an, as an organization, Sacred Sons, but also other organizations as well as. Um, as organizations that are safe havens, mm. there's there's um, there's a fear, I think, also, and especially if you come on the website for the very first time. Yeah, you know. So here, a little bit of my story. By the time I got to Sacred Sons, I had already been to a number of other organizations, okay. and I in fa- I in fact resisted Sacred Sons for at least six months, from point of discovery to actually. Um, jumping in as a participant um, in the online Mm. community that we have simply because I didn't see myself in Mm. any of the images, right? Mm. Um, No, no one at the time. And I would argue very few still today are 
as open and raw about the work that is happening and the the opening that men can experience when doing this work um, than sacred sciences. And if you're from a northeastern city that is known for finance and entrepreneurship and all these things, yeah. and you've got that as your social cultural upbringing coming across sacred sons is, is, is like cold water in the face. It's a shock. And so yeah. it takes time. It takes time. And knowing that you're supported in exploring these kinds of places um, is, is hugely beneficial. So, mm. you know, my, my, my journey with sacred sons started not as an entry point, but as a continuation, which is Beautiful. quite often, which is quite often how, how it will happen. Beautiful. So going back a little bit before you really discovered Sacred Sons and other men's organizations, what was really the, the tipping point for you? Like what were you experiencing as a man and what inspired you to join? Yeah. Thank you for that question. Uh, so the tipping point, as you, as you put it, was walking into my boss's office at the time um, ostensibly going in to discuss the strategy for the upcoming year, laying down the papers on the desk to discuss that strategy, having those papers promptly set aside and being told in the space of less than five minutes that I was out of a job. Mm. Um, and in that moment, I didn't know it then, but I was basically like, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but I was basically like Wiley Coyote who has run off the cliff and is still trying to run, but realizes that there's actually nothing underneath him. Mm. Everything that I had built as a foundation for the definition of who I was had been pulled out from underneath me. And it was two primary pieces, right? And this is so often the case with many men, but it was like, they were the pillars for me, oh, yeah. which was protect protector and provider. And as a father of three girls who were coming into that age where really they're looking at bonding more with their mother, they're starting to discover, mm -hmm. you know, some of them are, two of them were a little bit older, but they were much closer to their mom. They were going through their own physical and emotional changes. And the youngest one was moving into that space. I was really anchoring so much of who I was in the home based on that protector and provider and protection in our world today, you know, I'm not protecting them from lions and bears and no. things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm protecting them from the cold and from going hungry. And, but I'm also providing on those same things. So they were instantly taken away from me. And it was in that moment that I realized that um, I didn't know who I was if I wasn't those mm. two things. And I certainly didn't know what I was bringing into my home. Mm. I certainly didn't understand what role I was meant to play. And there was so much shame that came with that. That in fact, I didn't tell anybody in the home for three weeks because I felt like I needed a plan. Mm. Like the only way that people would feel safe is if I came up with a plan. And, you know, the mother of my children is a very linear person. Um, and I was absolutely, it, a lot of people push back on me when they hear that, but I can tell you from having lived it yeah, that taking those three weeks and developing a plan, um, was absolutely 
the best way to create mm. that sense of safe, that sense of safety, right? And from a selfish perspective, it allowed me to once again reclaim a little bit of that provider because yeah. I had a plan and it was already in motion and it was working. But really what that time also did, Skylar, to be perfectly honest, was um, force me to take a really hard look in the mirror um, that you talked about earlier um, and to understand that I had never really taken the time to articulate for myself who it was that I wanted to be. Mm. Everything that I had, not everything, so much of who I thought I had to become in any moment during my life. And people can watch the TED talk because that all still rings true today. But everything from like wanting to be a, a, the best meditator or a good meditator um, to wanting to be a successful entrepreneur, to wanting to be a good husband and father, mm. all of those things, if you were to look at how I was defining them, they weren't actually my own. I was taking images from society, which in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. We are learning from our environment, but we don't take the time to be discerning enough to wonder about whether or not those definitions are actually meant to be in service of, mm. or are they meant to create an environment of exploitation and extraction and distraction and for me all of those latter pieces were starkly laid out in front of me and i had to figure i had to figure shit out in, wow. in, a, in fairly short order um and what i realized is that there's actually nothing to figure out <laughs> there's yeah. nothing there's nothing to figure out the only thing that that I've come to believe that I need, and I'm continuing to evolve into this and continuing to lean into this, and there's still so much that I get to do. Mm. But it's about giving myself permission to show up in the way that feels right for me, right? And we hear a lot of talk about vulnerability, but vulnerability can be scary for a man. And so... Can I give myself permission to be open? Mm. Which is a much more inviting invitation. It's powerful I'm, as well. Yeah. And what I really like about it, and this is the the difference. And you know, I love Brene Brown, so I'm not gonna yeah, she's I'm, not, great. I'm not gonna take a swing at her vulnerability thing. Yeah. <laughs> but vulnerability really only allows for one way energy, right? So if I'm being vulnerable, then all of my energy is outwards in your direction mm. through my vulnerability. Like someone has control over now that now rather than it being this they're flow to, of energy. Yeah. Well, they're meant to be holding my vulnerability. Yeah. Right? Whereas yeah. if I'm open, there's the capacity for a flow between us. Mm. Right. So just, and our words are spells. We are all 100%. witches and magicians. Yeah. And all of our words are spells. And so when I cast the spell of openness instead of vulnerability, it's a very different energy that flows mm. in my own body, but also between us. So That's I'm here to be gorgeous. open with you. Thank you. That's very powerful. I actually can totally second that with 
the power of words and sentences and finding phrases that feel good and powerful to you. I can totally see how vulnerability can be, especially for a man, a little bit it, it can be a little bit like I'm just, I'm giving you power to feel everything that I'm feeling rather than I'm open to connecting. And it's an exchange of emotion and energy and stories um, to build something beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I even was talking to a good friend of mine um, who is an amazing meditator. He leads tons of workshops and movement meditation in LA. And I said, go kill this day or something. He had a meeting to attend. And mm. he was like, Sky, can we try to reframe that? And I just hit this wall and I'm like, um, I don't know how to reframe that. And that just goes to show again the effect that even masculinity and toxic max masculinity has in a world of a woman. Like I didn't even know how to reframe that. He kind of totally changed the sentence and said, go blow life into that. And that to mm. me just would totally change the name of the game and the way that I showed up to each of my sales meetings or my RFP calls. And so it is so true that we are magicians and the way that we talk to ourselves, that we talk to others, that how we see the world and the stories that we're constantly telling our minds every day, it makes yeah. a huge difference. So I want to touch on, because you've used two words together that I'm, I'm really hopeful that we as a society can, can stop connecting so closely. Okay. And, and that's the words toxic and masculinity. Mm. masculinity is not inherently toxic, right? And I believe, again, that if we, and I'm thinking here about the 14-year-old boy, the 16-year-old, even the 21, 22-year-old is just trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Because, you know, ever since Me Too really got intense, well, it, it's, it's, it's really hard. I can only imagine what it must be like to be a young boy today because everything from, and don't even get me going on the patriarchy. I'm going to sidestep that one for the moment. If you want to bring it back up, I'm in, but okay. let's leave it for a moment. But toxic masculinity right now, young boys and lost older men who are just coming into a sort of some kind of self-discovery, everything around being a man and masculinity these days is inevitably being associated with extractive, destructive, yep. abusive energies. And so what I would prefer that we try to lean into is either something along the lines of like the toxic expression of masculinity, mm. that's fine, or just simply toxic behavior. Because there's also a lot of feminine characteristics that also that can be incredibly toxic 100 look at politics today it's everywhere and it's got nothing to do with being a man or a woman mm. but when we use i i consider the the manipulation of words to manipulate people mm. as something that is much more in a feminine energy as an example and that's politics corporations i mean 100. You know, capitalism is the most compelling spell ever cast on humanity. There's absolutely, again, there's nothing inherently, we need, we need more young boys to embrace and perhaps more importantly, understand their masculinity, but also understand their femininity. Mm. This isn't about one or the other. 
And it isn't even, you can go with yin and yang. It doesn't really matter what you call these things. And I know we're in this beautiful moment of like gender fluidity and everything is becoming gray and it's, it's beautiful. It's actually not becoming gray. It's a kaleidoscope, mm -hmm. right? And all of it is to be embraced. And it's not, it's not a switch that we turn on and we just say, everybody's functioning this way now. No. Right? We need to... We need to create language and we need to create spaces that are inviting of everyone. And it's not because it has been this way for so long and so many people have suffered under those constructs that we need to all of a sudden swing to the opposite end over here without consideration for those who might get harmed simply because it was another way before. Mm. That to me is just the wrecking ball you know, bouncing off of one building and hitting the other. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not helping to actually build anything. And so how can we use language mm. that is actually inviting and empowering for everyone? And I can't help myself. So I'm going to quickly touch on the patriarchy, although it might yes, please be coming longer. The patriarchy we need to understand what the word patriarchy actually means. And if I were to ask people what patriarchy means, they're going to talk about capitalism, uh, sexism, racism, all of these different things, right? And again, I want to note, I have three daughters. I want all of those systems to be torn down and rebuilt in a way. And two of my older daughters are, uh, they, they are actually Japanese. Amazing. So they've been the victims of racism and mm. they've, they've felt that, that cutting edge. So I want all of these things to be dismantled. However, none of those things, while they were built by men, are inherently male. Mm. And yet we give them this label of patriarchy. And so again, when we propagate a message of we need to take down the patriarchy, it reinforces this notion that the masculine is inherently wrong, mm. is inherently um dangerous and and you know if you go to the etymology of the word patriarchy what does it actually mean well the patros most people will know is father yeah right? and the arche is arch supported by foundational built upon so when you put the words back together it is actually that which is supported by the father I've heard things, I've heard some people define it as first fathering in the sense of foundational fathering. Interesting. Which, by the way, is also the same and equivalent for matriarchy, right? So I fully agree that these are the systems on which our society is currently built mm -hmm. and they need to change. And they need to bring us back to the foundation that is within all of us, which is that we are human. Mm. And if these things drive us to be anti-human then maybe and i'm just throwing this out and it's the first time i'm saying this publicly so please do it yeah you know i'm I just throwing it, it out there but but why aren't we trying to take down the anti-archy mm. that thing which is against the foundational element that is true for all of us which is that we are all human yeah right and it's it's got no gender attached to it. but that's hard for people because it makes it really really hard to point the finger at the enemy yep yeah. Right? Right? When I say patriarchy, it's easy for me to point the finger 
And rightfully so, because they did absolutely build it. The white cisgendered male, right? Yeah. Of which I am one. Mm -hmm. And so, Paul, are you getting all defensive? Because no, because I want those things gone. I'm not trying to protect anything. But yeah. I don't want a 22-year-old boy to feel so lost in the world that he feels he has to take his life by suicide because he feels like he doesn't belong. I mean, it's just, for me, it's so sad to see my friends, I mean, especially being a 20-something-year-old myself, um, and this podcast is is geared towards that audience, is just the Me Too movement. And there's so much, not enough communication and education to men and women on you know, even like consent and things getting lost in the sauce and perhaps even people relying too heavily on me too. And it's how are men supposed to feel safe in this world? Well, and most of the time, if you were to say that around the wrong group of people, they would probably, I don't know what the language, well, no, they would probably tell you to go fuck off <laughs> well because, because men have been the portrayers of danger for so long. I'm not worried about them feeling safe. That that is just the narrative that oh, you hear. Oh, I oh I know. It's it's again. It's that it's that counter swing of that wrecking ball with no consideration, and you're only looking in front of you, and the wrecking ball is swinging behind you, and you're taking out a whole group of people, almost with the mentality of well, eh, they did it to us, kind of a thing. Mm. And again, like I I get it. I do too, 100 but 100 percent. It breaks yeah. my heart. And I'm not even like I I do, you know, I'm I'm a woman myself. And so it's I'm not I'm not saying that I'm I don't believe in the Me Too movement at all. I'm hundred percent supportive of anyone mm -hmm. who has lived or experienced a traumatic experience. I, I'm there and I feel for you. And I also have guy friends who have been raped without consent. And there's men out there who you know, how are they supposed to navigate the world and also enjoy pleasure and play and they're and they're nice, good men? How can they do that with all of this noise and this girls are not all this all good being? It's like, how can we support our young men, our young boys to feel empowered to communicate, to feel empowered to be utilize their sexuality in a respectful way without mm -hmm. feeling like they're going to be criticized or ridiculed or put into prison. Like it's, it's getting too crazy. Well, and, and <laughs> part of that, part of that, and this is something I've actually been on with my, with the social media of late, but part of it is this notion of like being unstoppable, right? Mm. Like there's this notion that men should be strong, powerful, unstoppable, right? And I'm, I'm going the other way. I'm saying, no, no, I absolutely want to be stoppable. I want to be stoppable because when I stop, as I put in a post just a couple of days ago, when I stop, I can hear the cries of the women and children. When I stop, I can feel the pain of others around me. When I stop, I can hear my own heartbeat. But it's only in my drive to be unstoppable and to constantly be and you know grow, expand, mm -hmm. elevate all of these things. Whoa, whoa, stop, slow down, breathe. Let's bring our young boys 
and young men and all men who are not even who are struggling, but let's just, let's just bring everybody. Let's not even use a gender. Let's just bring everybody back into their bodies for a moment. Right. And get our feet back on the ground. Right. And our hearts back in our chest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like honestly, and just slow down because, and, and, organizations like sacred signs like we also have to be aware of this too yeah there's a lot of energy in the spaces that we create whether they're online or in person people highly underestimated the power of the online community i mean i was i was on calls three four times a week with groups of men and i can tell you i've seen some of the most transformative healing online when when men are called in to these spaces so it's absolutely possible to do this this online but when you call a man to drop back into himself it's like he's discovering someone he didn't even know but that actually was in the room with them the whole time mm. right that's truly powerful it's it's and and they discover things about themselves that they had no idea that they had the capacity to even do mm. or show up as men, men who came into containers. And I don't like to use the term broken, but let, so let's use the term. So broken hearted mm. that they thought there was no way out for them. And who today are some of our leaders. Right. And it's not through it's not through doing course after course after course after course. It's by slowing down, by listening to themselves, by giving themselves permission, mm-hmm. by not trying to impose their opinions or, or take someone else's opinions as their own. It, it, it's a beautiful journey to watch a man go on. And I'm so blessed to be doing this work and I'm so blessed to be on this journey for myself. And at the end of the day, you know, again, as a father of three girls, yeah. if I can help support a world where, and my 18 year old has a, has her first boyfriend. Yeah. And <laughs> it's so beautiful to see her in a relationship mm. where there's a man who's next to her that can stand by her side shoulder to shoulder but not through this energy of domination Mm. or being cool or trying to be anything he is just present and it's beautiful and i didn't raise that boy but his parents need to be celebrated and i would like to think that it was part of my contribution with my daughter that helped her to identify that yeah in a man and that doesn't mean they'll be together forever yeah but what a beautiful place to start. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And just for your daughter, like knowing that she deserves that and that's something that she's attracted to and she's subscribing to. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said celebrate the parents. Absolutely. Yeah, I just got the chills because it just reminds me of my the dynamic that I have with my family and what I look for in a man. If someone's over-masculine, it's, it's a no-go for me. And I know we just we just stated kind of how we're reframing the word masculine, but I maybe 
I get it. Subscribes to more toxic expressions and behaviors of masculinity. And Mm -hmm. that's maybe not what floats my boat, but it is, it's beautiful when, when two people, same gender, different gender, can stand together and be present. You just use the, so you've used the word play and I wanted to pick up on it before, but it's been twice now. And I think this is the other place that we really, really need to nurture is, you know, even our sports, which are meant to be play. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're meant to have fun with sports, but our boys in particular, but our girls more and more because, yep. you know, women's soccer and women's hockey totally. is a thing now, right? So more and more, the question becomes like, why, why are your children still playing the sport at 14, 15, 16? Is it through exploration of the self and play and curiosity and the enjoyment of being with others? Mm-hmm. Or is something else going on here? Yeah. And I don't want to. I don't want to project onto the parents by saying what that might be. But we both know, and anybody listening knows what that might be. So, where are the opportunities for our boys to truly be playful, to truly be innocent, even if they're 15, 16 years old, even right? 25, 30, 40, 50? What would you say to men? who really don't believe in this world of divine masculine and feminine and healthy masculinity. And they really have, maybe it's not that they don't believe it, but they have a hard time picturing this because all they know is really their identity through being a provider Mm -hmm. and a protector. And perhaps they're really surrounded by friends that advocate for toxic expression through masculinity. And maybe they're in really aggressive and competitive sports and they engage in violent media and binge drinking, porn, et cetera, and over-rely on yeah. this expression of boys will be boys. Where do you think really is a good starting place for men who feel this, this sense of discomfort? Maybe maybe they're scared. Where, where can they start? So I think it's important to note the difference between the two energies that you've kind of introduced in your question. One is almost um, a sense of, um, I don't want to say apathy around the whole question, but let's call it an unawareness, a lack of awareness around anything that might even be there. And then scared, Mm. because if you're scared of something, then you're aware of it. Right. So if you're scared of, doing the work of divine masculinity and so on and so forth. I've, I've always said, no matter what I'm doing, give me the person who is either, give me the person who's passionate for or against, Mm. as opposed to the person who's apathetic. I can move and I can work with the energies on either side. Actually the most, and when we think about some of the most violent um, acts that go on in, I mean, especially in the U.S. with gun violence and things like that. How often are the perpetrators these people who were super quiet, yeah. super uninterested, super disconnected, yeah. didn't seem to be a part or, or engaged in their communities or in their schools or whatever the case may be? That's that to me is like almost the most dangerous, mm. you know, persona um, because they can't be moved and and it's hard to pick them up. We're so um, we're so acclimated to paying attention to the extremes that it's the neutral energy that yeah. that that, miss, that misses our attention, right? Until it gets unleashed. Mm. 
right? Because what's happening is it's getting pushed down and pushed down and pushed down and compressed and compressed and compressed. And then when it explodes, right? At least on the extremes, energy is moving. And this is a starting point, right? So if energy is moving, I also get, I get equally concerned on the angry side, but somebody who's also overly joyous, yeah. <laughs> constantly happy, um, what, what are you actually not seeing? What are you yeah. hiding, right? <clears throat> so with that being said, there are still plenty of men out there who are, who are on some of those extremes, right? Mm. Um, and who will push back as this being a, a potential avenue for them because of the fear of putting their hand up because of the potential shame that might come with it because they don't want to be seen or they don't want to see what is to be seen. They know there's something in their past. They know there's something in their history and they just don't want to look at it. Right. Um, And so in, in those particular moments, um, what I will, what I will quite often do anyways is I will just, start with my own story to be mm. perfectly frank and that's why i did my ted talk because if somebody if one person watches that ted talk and feels any kind of a twinge in their body and pays attention to it then that ted talk was worth the mm. 6 months of training and coaching and practicing that it took to get it done and it still changed 5 minutes before the event yeah so even with all of that I yeah still yeah but the point being is that by telling my own story by hopefully continuing to model that which um brought me to the place where i am with all the work i still get to do to mm. further give myself permission to show up in the ways that i want to be so that there's a beautiful um quote by dominic cartuccio who's a, a men's coach as well and is in this space but he says you know the definition for for a man anyways Mm -hmm. but i think for most people but i'm going to use it in the context of a man you know the definition of hell is a man on his deathbed who finally meets the man he always could have become right and it's like shit yeah i knew that because you only meet the man that you always knew you could become if you knew he was in you and it's mm. just you're giving him that space too late in your life. So my hope is that through my continued exploration in my own on my own journey, and as I explore these different places, and we haven't even talked about elderhood and death, yeah. and all of these pieces that are so absent from the current narrative as it relates to not just masculinity, but I think society and humanity in general, um, I hope that each one of these steps gets me a little bit closer to the man that I can become and that I have time to sit with that man and to know him and have him be known. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. It's so beautiful because as you are sharing about death and hell and your gorgeous and powerful story, it literally started pouring rain. I have not seen Mm. it rain this hard in a long time. And I, yeah. I feel like it, it's happening because we're, we're, we're speaking the truth and the universe or God is like, yes, yeah. <laughs> share it to the world. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. you know, if I have one hope from the listeners, is it yeah. something, is it something in what we've shared today 
troubled them just a little bit because that's where it begins. If everything we've said, all people do is nod and smile yeah. and we have it and we don't trouble them. We don't stir something in their soul. Then that old expression of we'll never get that hour back <laughs> comes through. So hopefully something and chances are, you know, a piece around the toxic expression of masculinity or the patriarchy. I mean, those are two pretty, pretty hot topic pieces yeah. right now. And I'm not, I'm not advocating for anyone to change their views on no, anything. No, I am, as my coach and mentor Stephen Jenkinson says, I'm here, wondering as I wander, through this thing called life. That's it. Everything that we've spoken about today is really a question. Yeah. Right. Like, is there a better word? Is is patriarchy the only word that we can use? And if it isn't. If it isn't the only word, what other word can we use? Mm. What are the implications of the use of the word, right? Yeah. What does that mean for our boys? How can we show? All of it is a question. All Staying of it is curious. A Staying curious. Absolutely. I do, I do have a question for you, and this kind of yeah. ties back into women mm-hmm. um, and, and men. But really, how can we support men to feel safe and like they can reach out to organizations like sacred sons like how how can we be there for you in a way that's not that doesn't seem too pushy or mm-hmm. scary or not in alignment yeah a beautiful beautiful question and i'm going to start by saying support your sons right not your sacred sons your sons your young boys right and raise sons who are open to talking about their feelings, mm. right? Um, I often use the example of like, the you know, you go pick up your son after the hockey game or the football game or whatever it is, and it was like, how did you do? And it was the, the, the instinct response is going to be around win or loss and yep. personal performance. Wow. Right? That's what we train our boys. How did you play? How did you do? Did you win? Those are the questions. When's the last time we said, well, how did you feel about Mm. what happened in the game? How did you feel about how you showed up? How did you feel about how you prepared? How did you feel? How did you feel? How do you feel? Right? So let's insert this language into our children's lives. Again, we do a better job with girls than we do Mm. with boys on this. Um, but we need to introduce this at a young age. And I'm super excited because I'm also contributing now to Sons Youth. Mm, and we smart. have a youth program that is coming in. And this is this to me is actually how we change the game. It's it's well, there's a lot to do with adult men of all ages, and the true opportunity is in an empowered generation of youth Absolutely. coming up behind them. Right. Absolutely. So that's the first thing is start with your boys. For the for the men that are already beyond our youth program and you want to encourage them, um, again, it's not about a challenge. It's not about being confrontational. It's not about saying, if you don't do this, I'm going to do that. That's never worked. It's a, it's, no. <laughs> it's actually proven as a as a faulty strategy when it comes to parenting of all kinds. 
And sometimes a 36-year-old man needs to be parented yeah. still a lot of the times. Yeah. But <laughs> so it's about how do you create invitations, right? So so we have we actually have so many um, women, especially um, partners, who will gift, you know, a three-day oh, experience. It. Awesome. Right? To to their to their husband or their boyfriend or their son, you know, like, hey, happy birthday or happy anniversary, you know, I really want you to do this. We also make our community super accessible. So if you're not sure about this, we have a brand new app. We have our own app, super stoked. It's just gone live. It's like, it's $9.99 a month and you've got a community there and you're going to have live calls and everything. So if you're not sure about the big event and the investment that comes, join the app. Get a taste, get a flavor. It's how I got in. Even your your Instagram is really fruitful. Um, Absolutely. Even for is. people that are just wanting to follow amazing movers and shakers online just to get a daily, you know, sip of sacred suns or anything yeah. else that's m- inspiring you to be a better you, then go for it. We are not everything. We are not just our Instagram. Yeah, totally, right? totally. And and so it's really important that if if you really want to experience it, it has to be through at least our online community to start. And I think the other piece to keep in mind too is we are truly an organization that is for all men. Mm-hmm. And what do I mean by that? So in our online community, as an example, this is going to be a little bit of a, of a term that maybe you weren't expecting to hear, but I believe that we're truly working towards the democratization of this kind of work Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because democracy isn't just a political system and it's not just about being able to participate it's whether or not you feel that participation adds value absolutely absolutely so until it adds value that's why i personally believe democracy doesn't work yeah because not everyone believes that it adds value even Mm -hmm. those who vote yeah aren't necessarily convinced but we want to try and democratize this kind of work so that not only everybody feels like they can have access to it, but people will feel like mm. it works for them and it serves and supports them, starting with our women and children. Absolutely. Because if they feel safe, we have so, a safer world. It's beautiful. Period. I will absolutely link um, Sacred Sons websites, their online courses, um, Instagram, everything within episode notes. We are at today's end of the episode. So I would love to welcome you quickly to Syllabus Steps, which is really a time for us to recap what we've learned from your experience and how we can actually really integrate Sacred Sun's insight into our lives. And so, Paul, do you have any specific tools, books, practices that have helped you on your journey as a man? And really, regardless of the systems and structures that encourage this toxic expression of masculinity, how can we 20-somethings begin to take the proper steps to heal the masculine wound, call in a new paradigm of embodied male leadership, and ultimately connect men to their hearts? So any books, podcasts, tools, quickly? Very Okay, quickly. If you're at all interested in this, there's um, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover by Morin Gillette as a book. Mm. Um, there's David data's books, take your pick. Um, I personally have already referenced Stephen Jenkinson and he's, while he is not, um, specific to men and masculinity, he does talk about death and elderhood and also troubled times. 
he's the influencer for me around the whole notion of patriarchy and how we're engaging with that. Um, Michael Mead, go to the storytellers. I would invite men to go to the storytellers. Michael Mead, Robert Bly, um, the beautiful poet who died in in, um, November of 2021, Mm. um, a year ago. Um, So Michael Moore, Robert Bly, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name, but we just had Martin Shaw. I love the way you said that. Right? Ian McKenzie, Martin Shaw, these are all beautiful men who are continuing to support and encourage us to dive deeper into mm. the mythical, the magical, um, the truly beautiful elements of masculinity and what it means to be a man. Mm. It's, I, I will end with this. I will end with this. And I will ask people to just, especially okay. if you're a man, to just like sit with it and let this. Let this like permeate your body. It is okay to be a man and it is safe to express your masculinity. It's beautiful. Is there any way you could tie that into a regardless statement? (laughs) A regardless statement? Like, okay, fill in the blank. So regardless of, I don't know, the expression of, toxic masculinity or I, got you. I, I got am you. blank. Yes. Sorry. I have to end with a regardless. <laughs> regardless of what anybody tells you, you are worthy. Ooh. And that's for everyone. Absolutely. I didn't gender that on purpose. Nope. I love it. Paul, I can't tell you. I am so excited to get this out there and in the hands of men, my best friends, everyone, my dad, my brother, <laughs> just being real. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I heard you reference yourself as Sky earlier, so I'm going to say Sky as yeah. well. Although I love Skylar. I'm going to tell you that right now. Both, both. Um, Sky, it's really been a, a pleasure and I'm deeply honored that you invited me to, to speak today. Um, if there's anything that I can do to support further, let me know. Um yeah, we're, we're in this together. So 